Well, I hate to say it, uh, but we're coming to the end of our word series in the book of Ephesians today. So is that good news or bad news for you guys today? Nobody cares? Okay, great. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of both end for me. I, I'm, I'm kind of ready to move on, and God's starting a new series in our team, and so we're excited about stepping into that. I'm kind of sad in a way because there were some more pieces of armor that we didn't talk specifically about, but we're coming to the very end of Ephesians chapter 6 today on Generosity Sunday, and how God orchestrated all that, it, only God could do, because this is such an amazing passage of Scripture on generosity at the very end of this book of Ephesians. And I remember I was uh, studying a couple of months ago and just reading all the time. If I had free time, I was always reading in Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 and studying and thinking and meditating. And our passion crew had been on world tour dates in Asia, and we'd played in Hyderabad, India on a Saturday night to about 14,000 people outdoors in this kind of, I don't even really know what it was. It was like a big field in the middle of the city. And we had just lifted up Jesus and sung songs of praise and proclaimed the gospel. It was such a powerful night. We'd had a short night's sleep that night, early up at the airport, flying to Delhi, India, the capital of what most people say is the largest country population-wise in the world now. And so we're flying into Delhi. It's a quick turnaround. We land. We go to the hotel. We have a lunch. We get ready for that night. And we end up at this sports complex, sort of like a basketball arena, on a college campus in the middle of Delhi, where 9,000 mostly university-aged young people are going to come to the concert of worship, the night of worship. And as we're flying from Hyderabad to Delhi, I've got my Bible out and I've got it open to Ephesians 6 on my little tray table. You can see what's going on, right? You're all there at some point. I've got my tray, tray table down. I've got my Bible out. I've got my glasses on. I've got my journal open. I've got a pen in one hand. And I'm just digging through the last four, five, six uh, paragraphs of Ephesians. And I'm reading down to the end and I get down to the very end and I get down to what we always get the most excited about. It's that little space between verse 20 and 21 in Ephesians 6. And the header says, did you, do you have a header in your Bible right there? What does it say? Final greetings. Now, doesn't that fire you up when you get to the final greeting section in the New Testament books? You're like, oh, I've been waiting for this the whole time, right? No, you just end right there. You're, you're finished right there. You're done because I know I got all the good stuff, and this is sort of like the housekeeping business that the writer's going to do, and it's always going to have a name or two in it that I can't pronounce, and I don't really know what all the little extra business is in the text, so I'm done. I would offer that a lot of us do not have anything circled, highlighted, in bold, or underlined in verse 21 or 22 of Ephesians chapter 6. It's the final greetings. But when I read the final greetings going from Hyderabad to Delhi, I started blowing up inside. I started getting, do you ever had this happen to you when you're in a public place, you're in a Starbucks doing your devotion or your Bible study or you're on a plane reading scripture or you're in the library at school and you, you, know, you got your stuff out and you just start getting more excited than the, than the circumstances and the location will allow for and you really just kind of want to go up and get the microphone and go, hello everybody, I'm not the flight attendant on this flight, but I'm having my mind blown right now by the final greeting of Ephesians chapter 6. This is the way I'm feeling inside. 
Christian was reminding me between gatherings is I remember the look on your face when we got off the plane and we're walking down to baggage claim and you looked at me and you're just looking at me like my mind is blown. I am so fired up right now. I got something I want to share with our entire team when we get to the venue tonight. So we did eventually get there. Our production team, heroes, have torn down Hyderabad late into the night, hardly any sleep, early lobby call, like 3 a.m. on the way to Delhi. Now we've set up Delhi. We're getting ready for the night. We have to host a, a a meeting for pastors and leaders for the city, or we get to do that. We don't have to, and we have this big reception thing, and now there's 20 minutes maybe before the event is going to begin, and I say to our whole production team, everybody, front of house guys, sound guys, lighting guys, backstage guys, monitor guys, and to all the guys leading, I say, I want everybody over across the hall in our dressing room. I got something for you. We all came over. I said, I know everybody's wiped out right now. I know everybody's mind isn't working at 100% right now. I know nobody wants a little devotional thought from Louie right now. I get that, and I understand it, but I got to share this with you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. And I just opened up to them what God is going to open up to us today. Because the reason why we had a word study in Ephesians, did anybody get anything out of that, by the way? Just checking, because that's going to be important in the next sentence I'm going to say. The reason why that happened is because of what we're about to read in these two verses. It was because of the generosity of somebody who most everybody in this building has never heard of. It's pretty awesome. This is what it says beginning in verse 21, and here comes his name right off the bat. Tychicus, can, you just, can we just say that together? I don't know why they didn't have like, you know, just normal names, you know, Zach or, you know, Larry or Bob or Melody or Jennifer. Tychicus, can we say that together? Tychicus, let's just call him Ty, okay? I bet his friends did. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I, Paul, am sending him, Tychicus, to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your heart. Can I get one amen, maybe just in faith, you know? I know maybe just be by faith right now. Be like, okay, maybe that lit you up on the flight. Maybe so. Maybe you were in different time zones. You were jet lagged. Maybe it was because the whole church was praying for you. Maybe you had unusual revelation that no one else has ever had. But I'm just going to go by faith and say amen to that. Thank you. My mind was blown because only two people are mentioned in the book of Ephesians by name. Paul, who everybody should know, Paul, who was a hater of the gospel, a hater of Jesus, who was a part of the religious establishment of the day that tried to squelch out the resurrection movement of Jesus, uh, meets Christ in a, in a dramatic conversion vision experience on the road to persecute believers in a town called Damascus. He then is called by God, chosen by God, to become the leader of the New Testament church and the writer of the vast majority of New Testament scripture. That's Paul. He's the author, the channel, the vessel by which the Holy Spirit is writing the book of Ephesians. That's Paul. People know Paul, but people don't know Tychicus. 
but he's mentioned by name, specifically by God, two people named in this letter, and he's one of them. And I believe that's for a reason. I believe that God wants us to know that everybody, including ordinary people, have vital roles in the story of God. And they're liner notes in Scripture. And we make CDs all the time. And if you, you're used to buying albums or buying physical CDs, some of you loved the liner notes. Some of you don't even know there are liner notes. You just took the thing, threw it out, put the music in. That's all you cared about. But there's some liner note fanatics in here. And you love getting the liner notes out and reading all the little small print about that album, right? Because everybody who is a part of that album gets named in the liner notes. The engineer who was working in the studio who just got there before the sessions and stayed after the sessions, made sure the board was ready, the mics were set, the preamps were on, everything was adjusted properly. The guy that was doing all the legwork so the producer could come in, the guy who's sort of masterminding all the recording, the mixing person, the mastering person, the people who played all the instruments, even if it was just one mandolin part on one song, they're mentioned. The writers of the songs are mentioned. The friends of the artist are mentioned. All the players on the album are mentioned. The front office people are mentioned. Executive producers are mentioned. All these little names in there are the liner notes to say, I know you love the new album, but a whole lot of people, more than the artist, had something to do with it. And they're liner notes in Scripture. So that we know that there was more than one guy, Paul, responsible that we were able to study together and be blown away together by God's word through the book and the letter of Ephesians. And he writes Tychicus, God does, into the liner notes of Ephesians. And I believe he's written into the story for three reasons, and I want to talk about what those are today. Number one, I believe he's written into the story because Tychicus chose to volunteer for an unseen and unpaid position. Where was Tychicus? He was in the jail with Paul. The two verses before this let us know that Paul is in prison. He's in chains because of his faith. And in prison... People are allowed to come and serve with him, to assist him, and to help him. And one of those people in the prison, by choice, with him is Tychicus. He's chosen to step into an unseen and unpaid position. He's chosen to be a volunteer, like a door holder, we would say, at Passion City Church. But you say, well, that's great. He got mentioned in the Bible, so it's not really that big of a deal. No, before he got mentioned in Scripture, he figured out where the most helpful place was for him to be, and he got in that place. Now, it's one thing to say Paul was arrested for his faith. He was a threat to the government, and therefore they put him in a prison in Rome. That made sense. He was there by Rome's choice. Tychicus was there by his choice. You know you have a generous heart when you are in prison by your own choice, taking an unpaid, unseen role for which you're expecting to get zero credit in the liner notes. You just saw the job, you saw the moment, you saw the need, and you got into the space. You know, a lot of people were there on the first lap. Tychicus was there on the last lap of the race. 
Paul's getting down to the wire. He's coming down to the finish. His race is almost done. His role on earth is coming to a close, and not very many people are still hanging around at that time. A whole bunch of early adopters, but very few late stayers. And Tychicus is one of them. And I know, you know, you kind of think, well, if, 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 I mean, how many of you, if you had the opportunity to be in jail in Rome with Paul while he was writing scripture, you'd say, yeah, I'd do that. But it's not that easy. I remember when I was growing up, when I was a high school kid and coming into college, my mentor shared this story out of Second Timothy chapter 4. And it made such an impression on my life even at that age, and it still does to to a large degree. If you have scripture, I want you to turn over, and I want you to look at a couple of these passages with me. 2 Timothy chapter 4, at the very end, Paul now is at the end of the day, and he's writing to the young man that he's pouring his life out into as a mentor. This is what he says in verse 9. Do your best, 2 Timothy 4, 9, to come to me quickly, for Demas, having loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Now, when I saw that as a teenager, I thought, who is Demas? And so I went and read the liner notes in some other places in Scripture, and there's Paul in the middle of the game, in the middle of the moment, in the middle of the story of God, and Demas is right beside him, watching it all, seeing it all, taking in the move of God. But now, when it's coming down to the wire, getting down to cases, when Paul's saying, my life is being poured out as a drink offering, this is the finish line for me. I'm about to get that crown that has been promised to me. I'm coming down to the very, very end. The story says of Demas, his appetite and desire for worldly things Finally got the best of him, and he just looked at me one day and said, Hey, I love you, Paul, but I'm out of here. And he went down to the road to the biggest, hottest going city of the day, to Thessalonica. And it just strikes me today that greed, that I want to get what I want in this world, wrote Demas out of the story of God. Greed writes us out of the story. Generosity writes us into the story. Now, Jesus did all the work to invite us to faith. That's settled and done. But we have a stake into whether we write ourselves out of the liner notes or into the liner notes by our generosity. And Demas wrote himself out of the story. And Tychicus wrote himself into the story of God. I don't know what kind of vibe was happening in that place, but I know this. He traded that for the opportunity to be with Paul on the very last day of the life of probably the greatest church planter of all time. Wrote himself out by greed. Tychicus writing himself in via generosity. I'll take an unpaid unseen role in this story of God. I volunteer. If you need somebody in the jail, you can count on me. Generosity is about taking the most needed position at the right time for God. The second reason why I think he's in the story is because his heart was in it. 
I love how Ty gets described by um, Paul in verse 30, uh, verse 21. It says, Ty, Tychicus, and here's the whole description of him. This is all we know about him. The dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord. That's the sum total bio that we get of Tychicus in our life, Tychicus in our life. I'm not sure how you say that, Tychicus or Tychicus. Nobody's really been able to verify that for me. But that's the sum total of his bio that we get. We don't know how tall he was. We don't know how old he was. We don't know whether he's good looking or semi good looking. We don't know if he was short. We don't know if he was fat. We don't know if he was funny. We don't know if he was smart. We don't know if he wore glasses. We don't really know anything else about him except that he was a dear brother and a faithful servant. And when you look at that first little phrase, that descriptor, Paul is saying, this guy is dear to me. I love him and he loves me. He is a close friend of mine. There's a love going on here, meaning this is more than a job to him. Uh, He is all in. There's relational equity. His heart is in it. You know, there could be somebody showed up with Paul in the jail, but they showed up there because they ought to or they should or somebody told them they had to. And they're like, I'm here and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to do whatever you need because you're Paul and I'm going to serve you in the jail. But their heart wasn't in it. It wouldn't have worked. But Paul said, I'll tell you why I love Tychicus, because his heart is in it. He is a dear brother. There's affection going on here. And that equity of heart and soul is making all the difference because that's what generosity is. Generosity, A, is getting in the place we need to be to do the thing that needs to be done. But generosity, B, is about being all in with our heart. Yeah, we're going to have a time of giving today, and we're going to give financially out of our resources back into the hands of God for what he's entrusted to us. But it's really all about our heart, less about our money. Generosity has never been about the amount of the check. It's always been about the condition of our heart. That's what Jesus tells us about in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. And I want you to look at this little story. It's impossible for us to leave um, Generosity Sunday without looking back at this uh, widow who gave in such a way that it really moved the heart of Jesus. And I, I want to say that for a couple of reasons today. You know, there's a, a lot of non-widows are going to give today, and that can move the heart of God. But in this particular account, it wasn't the wealthy that moved the heart of God. It wasn't the rich that moved the heart of God. It was the person who had the least that moved the heart of God. Mark 12, 41, look what it says about Jesus. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Hello. You know, you're thinking, you know, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Well, Jesus on this day is saying, I'm just going to check this out. So he just sat down right where he could see people coming. He's like, I'm going to watch this. Now, that would be weird if we did that here, wouldn't it? Would that be pretty awesome if I just passed the bucket every Sunday, like individually to every single person, or we had some of our financial oversight team guys or some of our pastors, and it was like, no, I'm going to do it today. Hello? Oh, nothing today? Okay, great. Well, maybe your uh, husband's going to, no, you're not giving either? Okay, you're not giving? Oh, you gave online. Okay, that's fantastic. Great. I'll, you know, it'd be weird. But what if Jesus was doing it? What if Jesus was passing the bucket? That would be a little different, wouldn't it? And Jesus was just letting us know, A, I'm a people watcher. So if you're a people watcher, I'm a people watcher. If you kind of like to see how things are rolling, I like to see how things are rolling. I'm just going to sit right down here and watch all the people give today. And so they're giving. You're thinking, well, God wouldn't want to do that. God would just let the people give. No, God wanted 
to tell a story, and God wanted us to understand how generosity really works. And so Jesus sat down, watched the people give, and this is how it worked. It says, many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, that, 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 I love that. You know, you give a large amount, people are going to know about it. That's one thing I've discovered in life. If you give a lot, you're going to let somebody know about it. Amen? I mean, come on. Anybody can back me up on that? If you give a lot, you're, somebody's going to find out. Now, if you've got that amazing gift of giving and that it's combined with amazing humility and you really do believe the scripture that, you know, if, if you do it unseen, God's going to reward you in a way that's even greater, then God bless you for that. But most of us are struggling in our flesh still. And if we give a lot, we're going to let somebody know. I mean, some way, way or another, we're going to let somebody know. If you're going to put 100 bucks in the bucket coming by down the row at Passion City Church, you just put it in there. You, you don't fold it. You just drop it in, tilt the bucket sort of toward the person next to you, slow things down a little bit, long pause, let the Benjamin fall, you know, it's, that's the way it works. If, if you're giving something smaller, then you, you fold that bill into the smallest geometric shape it can go into. Hold it in your hand, completely concealed as if to say, hey, don't look at me, I'm not looking at you. And then you put your hand all the way down to the bottom of the bucket, rustle it around with the other money that's in there, and then release it as you quickly pass over your neighbor with the bucket. That, that's a $1 bill. That's how you know that. That's how you just go, my neighbor just gave a dollar. No, it might not be a dollar, but, but man, the big gifts, we know how to put them in there, right? And Jesus is watching these big givers come, and I mean, they're just throwing these big gifts into the temple treasury. They're like, watch this. <laughs> Next guy's like, I got you, double. Next guy's like, uh-huh, I hung back because I wanted you guys to go first because nobody's going to give what I'm going to give. Bam. And they're just dropping these huge gifts into the giving that day, and Jesus is like, and I don't know if they really figured Jesus out yet, but don't you know they're giving him a little wink as they're coming by? It's like, I'm glad you're here today because that was pretty awesome, wasn't it? And then it says that a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. I wonder what she felt like. You know, it's... And Jesus is watching. And she's in the line. She's probably at the back of the line because nobody's even letting her get near the line. And she finally gets up her turn and it's like... I mean, imagine how she felt anyway. Poor, they're rich, she's a widow, they've got the power. Everything's going against her, everything's going for them. And Jesus, he said to his guys, he said, gather around. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. She was all in. She wasn't doing a religious deal. 
She wasn't looking for the applause of men. She didn't add up, oh, well, I've got 50 grand, and so if I give 500, that still leaves me with 59,500 to cover anything that might come up. So the 500 might look big in my giving. She was coming saying, I don't have anything except this, and this is really minuscule, but I do have a big God, and when I'm putting this in today, what I'm saying is not look at the size of my gift. What I'm saying is look at the size of my God. I'm not saying look at the size of what I can put in the treasury. I'm saying look at the size of the God who's in charge of my life because I'm willing to put my life in a position that says if I give everything I have, I still have enough because I have him. That's the condition of the heart, not the amount of the check. Man, it's been revelational for me in these weeks to realize that giving and generosity are not synonymous. They are not one and the same. They are not the same thing. Just because I give does not mean I'm generous. Just because I put a big gift in the offering does not mean I'm generous. Everybody in the story gave. One lady in the story was generous. Because generosity is a condition of the heart. It is not the amount of the check. And it is the heart that says, I'm, I'm in love with you, God. This isn't a job. This isn't an obligation. This is me being in it from the heart. I love you, and I love the way that you love me, and I am all in. And Tychicus was in. He was a dear brother. He was connected, and he was in. And I believe that's the way giving flows. It flows out of the love of God in our lives. The third reason I think Tychicus is in this story in Ephesians chapter 6 is because he took a supporting role in a bigger story. And that's generosity. You know, as a pastor of our church, I have been praying for our church family And the person I've been praying the most for is the person who's been struggling with this whole Generosity Sunday thing. Because you're like, you know, we're going to get in there. And I remember last year, and we're going to go to these boxes, and people are going to give their envelopes. And I don't have anything to give. I mean, not like I don't have anything. I mean, like, literally, I don't have anything to give. And all the rich people are going to go and give, and all the people who've got, you know, savings accounts and CDs and IRAs and investments and properties and whatever, whatever, and they're going to they're all give. And, and then all the middle-income people are going to give because they've got, you know, a little discretionary cash. And, and then even some of the people kind of more on the bottom end of the middle-income people are going to give because they've got, you know, 10 bucks or, or they've got 50 bucks that they can put in this Generosity Sunday giving. But I don't have $5 to give. And I just want you to know today that you're good with God. You are as much a part of Generosity Sunday with zero in your pocketbook today as anybody else in this building. Because generosity is about saying to God, I am willing to take a small role in a great story. What role do you want me to play? I want to be generous with my life, my opportunity, my gifts, my talents, my words, my encouragement. I am here and available to you. And that's what Tychicus said, and I believe that's why he's in the liner notes of the story of God. He was willing to take a supporting role in a bigger story. He did what was needed. He did what he could. And he did what he was asked to do. 
And it was not the leading role in the story of Ephesians. That role had already been given to Paul by God. That's what happened in Acts chapter 9. We talked about this at Passion a few years back, and we did a whole message around this. But this is what it says when Paul had that conversion experience, Acts 9, 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, for this man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him, Paul, how much he must suffer, be in prison for my name. So this story had already been framed in a way that God had chosen Paul to become the voice to carry the name to the Gentiles for the first time, to the kings for the first time, and to all of Israel. And that's the way it works when Ephesians opens. Ephesians opens and says the first word in the story of Ephesians is the word Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus. So the story opens with Paul. He's kind of got, by God's design, the leading role in the next few pages of being the vessel that the Holy Spirit uses to proclaim the name of God to the people in Ephesus. But he says, oh, but by the way, I want you to know about Tychicus because he's also in the story and he has a role and his role matters. Maybe everybody doesn't have the leading role, but in God's kingdom it doesn't matter because everybody has a role and every single role matters in the kingdom of God. The church is not built on the gifts and the talents of a few. The church is built on the sacrifice of many. And this church is not built on the gifts or talents of a few. It is built on the sacrifice of many, 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 many people who say when they talk about Passion City, they don't talk about me. They might talk about the name of one of the artists or one of the worship leaders or one of the leaders or one of the pastors, but, but I have just as vital a role in our house as they do because it's not the size of the task that you're asked to do. It's the size of the story that you've been invited to be a part of. And Tychicus somehow understood that church is not built on the talents and the gifts of a few. It is built on the sacrifice of many. That's generosity. You know, I don't, you don't see this any more clearly than the book of Romans. And Romans didn't get liner notes. Romans got a liner chapter. It is pretty crazy. Romans may be the greatest piece of, uh, of literature ever written, the greatest legal treatise ever written, the most brilliant thing ever written, in my opinion, on any subject, in any time, in any age. Paul writing it about the nature of the gospel to the church in Rome. But he gets to the end of Romans, and in chapter 16, he just decides to do like a roll call of liner notes. And forgive me, because, you know, I, I didn't really like practice to get every single name down, like rock solid. So I'll butcher a couple of them, but I'll apologize to him in heaven. Um, but look what it says in Romans 16. I'd like to read it. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Chantria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord, in a way worthy of the saints, and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Her generosity wrote her, Phoebe, into the liner notes of the Holy Word of God. The God-breathed scripture records her name. 
Yeah, I'm Paul. Yeah, I'm writing the letter. Yes, I'm the one God's entrusted this to. But when we're talking about the church in Rome, we got to talk about Phoebe for a minute. And I want you to give Phoebe what she deserves because she has really laid it all out there to serve, taking up her role in this great story. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. How would you like to have that in the liner notes of a story? Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epetnus, who had the strangest name of all the names and who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Amplitus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statius. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. You know, Tryphena and Tryphosa. You've met them. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Hersus. Another woman who would work very hard in the Lord. And this is a whole other Bible study for another day. But most of these people are women. No. So how do you feel about women in the church? I don't know. Read Romans 16 sometime. Pretty much looks like without them, there's not much going on in Rome. Oh, well, they were running the children's ministry, I'm sure. Big children's ministry in the church in Rome. They were the children's ministers, you know what I'm saying? Not children's pastors, but children's ministers. Directors, let's go with directors. That's what women can do. They can direct and minister. Whew, that's for another day. Where were we? Greet Rufus. Hello, I know Rufus. Chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. I laughed when I read that because I don't know why he did that, but he might have forgot her name momentarily, and that made me feel like he was human, Paul was. Because she'd been like a mother to him, but I can't think of her name right now. So <laughs> so you greet Rufus and his mom. <laughs> um, I, I want to go with Jill, but it could be Jan. I'm not sure. I think it's a J. Greet and Syncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, you know Hermes, the, the purses and the shoes and all that stuff. Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philogus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, can't think of her name. And Olympus, and all the saints with them, and greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And then he comes down a few verses later to the end. Verse 20, this is just good reading. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. And then he says lastly, the last verse in the liner notes section. 
before he gets down around to the end, he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my relatives. He goes on, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother, um, Quartus, send you their greetings. And then he gives a blessing to the people. I did the maths. 29 people got mentioned by name. Eight people who were in partnership with Paul in the process of being in the place he was in as he wrote this letter, and then Paul himself. 38 people in the story so that God makes sure we know it's not built on the gifts and the talents of Paul. It is built on the sacrifice of the many. This is how God builds the church. And in the liner notes, at the end of Romans, he says, this is the us chapter. People with their generosity writing themselves into the story of God. So even if you take an unpaid, unseen position, don't you be mistaken that it's an uncompensated or unnoticed role. Because you're going to get compensated for it and you're going to be noticed for it. And you're going to get in the liner notes of time and history. God's going to make sure of it. That's why the phrase is that we may. That's why our phrase is that, that I may, that you may, but that we may, because it is a chapter of us at Passion City Church. And together today, our giving is going to be powerful. Not because one person's going to come and give, but because all of us are going to step up into the generosity zone and say, I am available, God to you. That's what happened to Tychicus. Can you imagine the day um, when finally Paul has written this letter, been inspired by God's spirit, and he ends up with these parchments. This is not unlike what it could have looked like, that God's spirit breathed through Paul's hand and with a pen and paper. At times, someone would write it down for him. At other times, he says, I wrote this with my own handwriting. You can tell this is me. You've seen my writing before. He bundles the parchments together. It says at the top, to the Ephesian church, it's in his handwriting. And he looks at Tychicus and he says, hey, I need you to do something for me. Do you mind? And Tychicus says, I'll do anything for you. What do you need me to do? I need you to take these parchments, this letter, and I need you to take it to the brothers and the sisters in in Ephesus. I need you to take this to the church at Ephesus and deliver it for me. When he says that, it's amazing to me because he shows right away that he has confidence in Tychicus. He knows he's going to do what he's asked. He knows he's going to deliver what needs to be delivered. He knows he's not going to add anything to it or subtract anything from it. He's going to be like a good server in a restaurant. His main job is to get the food from the kitchen to our table in a reasonable amount of time without altering it in any way on on the journey. You do not want the server messing with your food. You want him to bring exactly what the chef made and set it down on your table in that exact form, right? And that's what a good server does. And he had confidence 
in Tychicus that if he handed this to him, uh, that it was going to get delivered exactly the way it needed to be delivered. And I want to have that with God, don't you? Don't you want to be the kind of person that God says, I can trust you with this, that you're going to be faithful to carry out what I've given you to do. You're not going to add to it or subtract from it. What is essential is going to be communicated. He had the blessing of Paul, secondly. He said, I'm sending him to you. I think sometimes we're too busy trying to carve out our own blessing of understanding that we're under blessing. We've already got blessing on our lives. We are being not just signed up for service, we are being sent by Almighty God for mission. And when we step into the needed place, we don't just get there because the planning center thing came in our box. We get there because God has sent us into the world to be the light of Christ on planet Earth, to be the salt and light of this neighborhood, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this generation. We are sent people, not just signed up people. We are under the blessing of God. We carry the name of God. And I don't need to walk in and go, oh, I'm doing this because of whatever, whatever. And I need you to make sure and understand now. It's I came here under the authority of God and the leaders that God has put me under the authority of. And Tychicus was smart enough to know a lesson anybody in business here can learn. If someone with greater authority sends you on a mission, go in their authority. Don't try to build yours. Because they've already got the authority. And when you show up and you say, hey, I'm here representing so-and-so, and and people go, excuse me, oh, oh, okay, great, well, uh, uh, absolutely, come on in. Yeah, we we know her. She's uh, the head of our division. She sent you here personally? And you already have that tacit blessing because you're coming in that person's name and authority. And I think Tychicus understood that, and I think he walked up, and I think he said, hey, guys, it's me. And they're like, who are you? Tychicus, well, we don't know you. He goes, Paul sent me. You'll see it at the, at the very end back here on the last paragraph. And they're like, give it to me. You got any ID on you? And he had the blessing because he was generous in the right moment. I think the third thing that's interesting, he had a clear mission Paul said, I want you to tell them how I'm doing. I want you to encourage them and how they're doing. That's ministry. I want you to inform them and encourage them. I want you to teach and instruct them, and I want you to encourage them. I want you to deposit into their life, and I want you to encourage them in what they're doing in their life. I don't want you to do all the talking. I want you to learn how to listen. And I want you to, to let them know what they need to know, but I want you to learn from them what you need to know. And in that process, he had a clear mission, and that mission was, it is not the size of the task that matters. Yes, I I, I, I mean, you can just see it going through your mind. I mean, here we're in the prison. Everything's going down. I got the place right next to Paul. I finally got his trust, his confidence. We love each other. We're in it together. And he says, what I really need you to do is to take take these to uh, Ephesus, if you don't mind. And Tychicus is like, man, that's like a journey. Just me? I'd rather stay here with you. And he goes, no, this is what I need you to do. And so Tychicus does what a faithful servant does, because he was not only a dearly loved brother, the scripture said he was a faithful servant. And so instead of going, huh, like, don't we have a delivery system for that? Can't we call somebody? Like, you know, parchment delivery, R us. You get FedEx. He said, okay, you need me to do it? Must be a reason you asked me to do it. Must be a reason you trusted me to do it. And he took the parchments, 
And he hugged Paul. He probably didn't know if he'd ever see him again. He told him how much he loved him. And Paul told him how much he loved him. And he probably put his hand on, hand on his head and spoke the blessing of life of God on his life. And he closed the door and went out into the streets and went on his way and went on his journey. And the whole time, I just wonder if he had any idea what was in the bag. And I wonder if we do. I wonder if we know what we're carrying today. Because only history will record our place in the liner notes of the story of God. And I wonder if Tychicus knew that this was in the bag. And that the word series at Passion City Church, everything we heard about being in Christ, about being adopted by Christ, about being loved by Christ, about being chosen in Christ, linked with Christ, raised up from the dead with Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, rooted with Christ in a church with a cornerstone, made peace with God through the blood of Christ, joined together as an army of people, walking in holiness, walking in light, walking in truth, saying goodbye to the old way of life and hello to the new way of life, putting off the old man and putting on the new man, loving our families as a model to God, honoring our parents as a model to God, suiting up in the armor of God so that we could stand in the evil day and having done everything to stand, taking up the sword of the spirit, praying at all times and living out our lives in faith. All of that was in the bag. It was in the bag. And I don't think Tychik is new. I got God-breathed pages in the bag. He just was a faithful servant. And man, I, I just said, God, please don't ever let me say, no, I think we can probably get somebody else to carry the bag. I want to carry the bag God puts on my shoulder because who knows what's in it. And I gathered our team around in that dressing room and I said, guys, I know everybody's fried right now. But come on, just give me two minutes. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I'm doing. I'm sending to him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage you. And oh, is he going to encourage you? Because Holy Spirit is in the bag parchments written by the hands of man. And I looked at our team and we all huddled around together in Delhi, India, and I said, guys, we don't know what's in the bag tonight. We know 9,000 young adults are in the building, but we don't know what's in the bag. Come on, let's carry the bag with all we've got. 
We don't know what life change is in the bag tonight. We don't know what ministry vision is in the bag tonight. We don't know what healing, what restoration, what miracle, what dream is going to come true. We don't know what future president, what future business leader, what future mom. We don't know what future generation changers. We don't know what's in the bag tonight. So let's carry the bag with all we've got tonight, believing that there's more in the bag than we could ever imagine. We did. And there's no nights better than that. Because everybody claps when it's over and a bunch of people tweet when it's over. But you got the tweet you needed before it started. And you weren't looking at Twitter going, did anybody like it? Because you got the tweet you needed at the beginning. And it was God saying, would you mind carrying Jesus to these people for me tonight? And he said, oh yeah. 